This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Friday, November 10th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Jacob, the SAG after strike is over. After 118 days, the strike came to an end as of 12.01 a.m. on Thursday morning. Uh, what do you think about this? What, what was your gut reaction when you saw that? That the movie studios just participated in the biggest self-own in Hollywood history. <laughs> that they literally gained nothing. They got nothing. They fought a thoroughly losing battle against the people who make their movies. Against people who are desperate enough and usually cash-strapped enough 
to know what it's like to actually hunker down and fight as opposed to the people who are currently running Hollywood studios who are wall street and Silicon Valley, you know, pinheads. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's wild how much money they lost fighting a fight against people in an industry that that chews them up so thoroughly that they know how to fight and know how to survive. It's generally astonishing how little the studios gained here and how amazing it is that the actors and before them, the writers got what they needed. Uh, and honestly what, what the industry needed. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So like, we still don't know many of the specifics of the deal quite yet. That might actually be coming out as soon as like later this afternoon. Um, but in a press release, SAG said, I'm going to quote this revolutionary agreement achieves major breakthroughs in addressing compensation via residuals and protections from generative AI technology while reaffirming the role human performers play in the production of film, television, and streaming entertainment, end quote. Um, We know that the national board is meeting today to review the agreement and vote on whether or not to send it to the membership, which will then ratify it. All of that seems inevitable. I'm I'm sure that's going to happen. Everybody seems, you know, to be pretty pleased with with what they know of the deal so far. I'm sure we're going to talk more about what's actually in the deal in the coming days on the podcast um, when more information is is revealed. But I think, yeah, in the meantime, this is like a big win, uh, not only for the actors, Jacob, but like the entire infrastructure that that surrounds the entertainment industry, you know, like uh, caterers and laundry services and restaurants and hair and makeup people and the list Set goes painters, on. Like, carpenters, gaffers, yeah. anybody who could conceivably be replaced by a crappy AI program. Like literally there's language out there prior to this deal about how, you know, why do you make up in person when you can, you know, enhance an actor in post? Why build a set when you can have a digital set built by AI afterwards? Mm-hmm. The, 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 there was a time, Ben, when the evil tyrannical movie studio heads at least liked movies. Yeah. And now they don't. A lot of them, most of them don't. And it's their, their stance has been anti-movie, anti-art, anti-worker. And this is not about the people who, who like the rank and file at Warner Brothers or, or you know, um, Disney or any other studio. The, I, in my experience, the people who work in the offices at movie studios love movies. They got yeah. industry because they, they love movies and they want to be attached to the industry in some way. But we've evolved to this point where the people often at the top of the food chain are the ones who who don't like films. They don't, they don't, they don't like the, the filmmaking process. They don't like the people who make movies. It's just numbers on a spreadsheet to them. And the actors and the writers weren't just fighting for themselves. They were fighting for the entire industry. They, they, they were fighting for the people who make movies with them. And that's why this is so huge. And a lot of people always ask me like, why should I care about the actors and, and writers strike? And, and that's why it's not just artists being compensated more fairly or, or being protected. It's setting precedent for like the, the blue collar infrastructure of an entire section of the, of the economy of, yeah. of, of the, this the, America's great export is our art and Hollywood is the leader in that. And there are people out there who would tank that for a few extra dimes. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm sounding angry right now because I'm actually happy for this. But this is an ongoing fight and this is a huge victory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we actually have an article called Why the Hollywood Strike Wins Are a Victory for Everyone, Yes, Even You, um, that I'm going to link to in the show notes, which gets a little bit more into that, um, which I, I recommend reading. Um, okay, so... Uh, before we move on to our next thing, I saw this report, Jacob, that uh, Deadpool 3, Beetlejuice 2, Gladiator 2, Venom 3, and Clint Eastwood's Jur number 2 are set to get back into production in some instances as soon as this week, um, which I think flies in the face of the 
studio line that was out there that like, oh, production is not going to start up again until January or whatever. So it, it seems like they're a bunch of that- liars. They're, they're lying. <laughs> this is the crazy thing is that I look, it's a member of the film press. I interact with people from studios all day, every day, emails, messages, phone calls. We, we talk and I have a lot of people who, if they're, you know, who I'm friendly with or acquaintances with um, in, in, in a sense that we, we, we can talk to each other and be square with each other. So when I say this, I don't mean those people, the people who are doing their job and are working hard and are earning their paychecks to try to get movies made in the, in, the, in their capacity. I'm talking about the people who are representing the, the higher up the studios. They're a bunch of liars. They're liars. And <laughs> all they want to do is, is get that stock price up as opposed to create good art and pay artists to make great art. What a bunch of scoundrels, Ben. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've said it well. Um, so the next news item that I wanted to talk about, uh, I believe this came out last night, is that, um, or maybe it was even the night before, who knows? Uh, Disney has delayed a bunch of, um, you know, they, they've announced yet another reshuffling of the release calendar. So Barry Jenkins' Mufasa the Lion King, which is a prequel to John Favreau's quote-unquote live-action Lion King film is being moved from July 2024 to December of 2024, and there are a ton of Marvel-related shifts as well. Um, Deadpool 3, which was originally supposed to arrive next May, has been delayed to the end of July. Captain America Brave New World is coming, uh, is moving actually to Valentine's Day 2025. Thunderbolts is going to be now coming out in July of 2025, and Blade, which we've talked about a lot on the show recently, is moving from Valentine's Day 2025 back to November of that year. And really what that means is Marvel only has one movie scheduled for next year, which is Deadpool 3. And there are four Marvel movies slated for 2025. So um, obviously this is this has a lot to do with the labor stoppages and, and um, you know, th- that's why this is happening. But I'm curious what you think about like what the new slate looks like, Jacob, in terms of there only being one Marvel movie next year. Look, we may have an article going about this uh, early next week. Um, we'll, we'll see if we can wrangle that. Uh, so I'll do the summary here, which is this is honestly the best possible move for Marvel. I in, Ben, in 2019, I would build my schedule around a Marvel movie. Oh, the new Marvel movie's out this Friday. This Friday. Oh, I'm getting the earliest tickets possible. Um, hold my calls. This is important to me. But when I saw the Marvels last night, I'll talk about the Marvels in detail next week. More people have a chance to see it. It felt very like, Oh, an obligation. I got, I guess I, I guess I got to go watch the Marvels. And mm-hmm. I, and that's, and that's even less, even more so for the Marvel TV shows. I loved Loki season one, but I even started Loki season two. I couldn't finish secret invasion. I never finished Hawkeye, a show I was largely enjoying because it was just like, um, there was too much. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been a lot of reporting about how, when Disney Plus launched, Marvel was put under a lot of pressure to deliver product, the quote-unquote product for the streaming service, and that there was resistance from Marvel's head saying, like, hey, we don't want to oversaturate the market, get people tired of Marvel, whereas the Disney reaction was very much, oh, no, people aren't going to get tired of Marvel, and a few years later, I'm getting tired of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just that I'm doing oversaturation, it's the fact that it hasn't been very good. I did not, I think Lore, Thor Love and Thunder is a disaster. I think Black Panther, Black Panther 2 is super disappointing. I don't hate Ant-Man 3 like other people do, but I, I'm i like, I wasn't like head over heels. And I, I guess, spoiler alert I, for spoiler podcast about next week, but I'm not warm on the Marvels. Mm. And 
this is when I, when I used to be the kind of guy who would go to bat for Thor 2 because at least Thor 2 was wacky and interesting if it was kind of <laughs> bad and I can't even go to bat for some of these more recent Marvel things they just feel like they're made by people who are under pressure who are tired who are stretched thin who don't have the capacity for quality control anymore because they're just too much of it um, there's a lot of reasons for why th- these delays are happening I'm focusing on the Marvel ones of course and a lot of it is the fact that they just need more time to you know uh, deal with, with, with you know getting crews and actors back together but mm-hmm. this really needs to be seen as kevin feige circling his wagons and reimposing quality control and saying all right we we're, we're gonna swerve let's turn out of it how do we get out of this this is marvel's chance to save the mcu because right now we're watching it kind of implode in slow motion and i don't want to implode ben i love the mcu i i avengers endgame remains like one of the great movie going experiences of my life mm-hmm. i you know, I, I, I snark all the time about how, you know, well, you know, Marvel doesn't make great art, but they make great fun movies. That I love and, and, and I loved being able to talk about them and the community that fostered around them of people who I was able to like talk about them with. So I know I'm rambling. I'm taking on the podcast. I'm sorry. But <laughs> this really, really needs to be a year of Marvel saying, OK, what do people love about these movies? Let's get back to that. Yeah, no, I agree. I would love it if they actually, you know, there's been so much talk about how they were going to slow things down and we haven't really seen the result of that yet. But I, I hope that in that slowdown, like you said, they they are able to maybe like even outright cancel some projects that they've announced that haven't you know begun work yet or nobody's been hired for yet or whatever and like actually spend more resources on the things that they know that they are going to release just to make them the best versions possible i mean i know that sounds really simple but they've not had the ability to do that because the edict from on high has been you know open the fire hose as as much as possible just to get as much stuff out there so uh, we'll we'll see, and yeah, we'll definitely be talking more uh, in detail about the Marvels um, early next week. Uh, Do you think right, Deadpool let's... three will have jokes about how man the universe used to be a little more consistent than this? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds will not um, miss an opportunity to uh, bite the hand that feeds them in any way. Um, okay, let, let's take a break, and then we'll be right back. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc all right jacob uh i think this happened in the evening uh earlier this week the news came out that west ball is going to be directing a live action legend of zelda movie based on obviously the the popular video game franchise and uh we don't really know much detail yet about like if there's a particular game that is sort of providing the 
uh, basis for what this story is going to be, if it's going to be a completely new take on this, what characters are going to be involved, all that kind of stuff yet. It's very early days, but we know that uh, Nintendo and Sony Pictures are going to be co-producing it. Sony's going to be handling theatrical distribution around the world. And um, Avi Arad, who is a producer who is quite a character in Hollywood history, um, he produced a lot of the early Spider-Man movies, and I believe he's still sort of technically attached to that franchise due to some rights deal that he oh, yeah. negotiated he, a long time ago. He's on all the Venom stuff. I, I highly recommend reading the uh, new MCU MCU book um, that came out a few weeks ago uh, if you want the whole Aviron life story. It's, kind of, it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. And we actually did an, an interview with the authors of that book on a, a previous episode of Slash Home Daily. So um, if you uh, have, are, are a new listener and want to go back and check that out, I would recommend that doing that as well. But um, Jacob, I know that you're a, a West Ball fan and you actually wrote an article for Slash Home about how you think he's uh, an inspired choice for this. Um, I, I do want to admit something to you before we get into it, Jacob. Uh, you told me years ago that I should watch the Maze Runner movies, and I promised to you that I would. And I have not done that yet, but I have them <laughs> on like a uh, Blu-ray or DVD or something. I have the discs in my house. I just have not actually put them in and press play yet. So I will be watching all of those movies before this Legend of Zelda movie comes out. But uh, tell me why you think West Ball is a good fit for this. All right. I, I have a broken record on West Ball. I wrote about in 2017, I wrote an article when he was going to do a Mouse Guard movie, that, like about how he's the next big deal. Uh, when Lucasfilm was making a bunch of Star Wars movies, you know, you know, ten years ago, on this very podcast, I told all my co-hosts, and you're probably there, that West Ball is an ideal choice for a Star Wars movie. He has serious chops. You go watch those Mage Runner movies. Mage Runner movies greenlit in the wake of Hunger Games, clearly an attempt to cash in on you know the massive YA rush of that period, mm-hmm. and. On paper, those books and those movies are very much YA trope fodder. Uh, I, I still can't tell you much about the stories of the Maze Runner movies. But the thing about the Maze Runner movies is that they're extraordinarily well-directed. Uh, West Ball has an eye for action, an eye for geography. And perhaps the most important thing for a Zelda game, where the entire appeal of a Zelda game is walking into a dangerous, beautiful place and, and trying to solve it before it kills you, is that each Maze Runner movie feels like a quest. Everywhere where those characters go feels dangerous. Every place they go feels unique. You feel like you've gone on a journey, and each part of that journey has its own sense of identity, which is what a Zelda Zelda game is about, exploration, and about uh, a world unfolding around you. And that's what the Mm. Maze Runner movies are at their best. And also full of great character actors kind of chewing the scenery, which is always fun. Uh, (laughs) And also really well-directed young actors, including Will Poulter uh, and a lot lot of people who have blown up since then. So I'm not going to say you're going to watch those movies and be super impressed by the you know, the kind of generic, um, you know, plot points of a, of a, of YA fiction. But Ben, I genuinely think you're going to see this guy has like real chops as an actual filmmaker. And the, the fact that he, you know, I think after you make those three movies, you know, it, there's a long gap before his next film, which is next year's uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. And of course, there was the aborted Mouse Guard movie. And the fact that it's go, he goes from those to Planet of the Apes to Legend of Zelda suggests to me a filmmaker who knows his worth and has been waiting, knowing, like, I've got the chopper thing big. I can't mm-hmm. dilute myself by taking on crap. You know, I can't do more YA stuff just because I do YA stuff. i got to wait for the next big thing. And I genuinely think that there's a confidence in, in that decision-making that reflects his confidence as a filmmaker. I think that West Ball's been waiting for nearly a decade to, for an opportunity like Planet of the Apes and now Zelda. And I think he's going to surprise us all. And I'm very excited about what he does here. 
Okay, so what do you think about the live action component before we move on? I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, uh, Illumination Entertainment in the wake of the Super Mario Brothers movie's massive success earlier this year, they should make a, a Legend of Zelda animated movie in that same style and sort of create this, you know, uh, interconnective world, like a video game version of the MCU or whatever, like a Nintendo cinematic universe. Um, or even, you know, if some, even if not Illumination, some other uh, I, th I know that um, a lot of people who play the Zelda games believe that animation is the best form to tell that story, but this is a live action movie. So what do you make of, of that decision? Unless it's Studio Ghibli, I don't want, uh, uh, <laughs> that's the only company I would trust to do justice to Zelda uh, as animation. It's like, look, I don't hate the Super Mario Bros. movie, but it's as, it's like <sighs> flavorless yogurt of a movie. Yeah, it's, it's just, so bland. Um. I'm going to paraphrase a, a friend who describes his, his big beef with this movie. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it sums up my beef with Super Mario Brothers, which is that movie opens with Mario and Luigi being brothers who love each other, who work well together, and can beat the odds, and it ends with Mario and Luigi being brothers who love each other, who are best friends and can beat the odds. <laughs> there is no growth. There's nothing going on there. Illumination, I think, I, I don't, look, they, they make movies for, for audiences who are not me, and good for those audiences, good for people who, who, who like the media and stuff, but I generally think that my main concern about Legend of Zelda is not the live action component. It's that Nintendo is going to be so hands-on that they're going to say, you can't have characters who are messy or interesting or grow. They mm. need to be mascots first. The Super Mario Bros. movie is a mascot movie. It's a movie yeah. where here are characters you recognize. They don't change. They're the whole. They're, they're who you recognize for the whole thing, except now they sound like Chris Pratt. Um, and I'm not concerned about Legend of Zelda being live action. I think that with the right technology and the right filmmaking, uh, this could be an amazing world. Hyrule, the fantasy world of, of Zelda, uh, you know, it's been reimagined in each game. Each game on, on Zelda is essentially its own reset of the universe, which is now canon. The idea that Zelda universe is, is, is always like relooping in on itself. Hmm. Um, and I think that how you, which elements you choose for Hyrule, whether, whether it's the more traditional Dungeons and Dragons fantasy of the early games uh, versus the um, dystopian Mad Max high fantasy of their most recent games, which is truly incredible. Like I, should, the most recent Zelda games are literally what if there was a super advanced, you know, high fantasy Lord of the Rings world full of actual like futuristic technology uh, that then had a and Mad you Max can cook stuff on the yeah. side, <laughs> <laughs> and then had a Mad Max happen to it. Um, so I think no matter which version of Zelda they pick, there's so much beauty to build on, and uh, I would I. I Animation would be would be great, but I think with the right eye and the, and the right vision, live action Zelda could be a, like a Lord of the Rings level visual feast. And I really am excited to see how they bring that to life. Excellent. Uh, well, actually, there is a Lord of the Rings level visual feast that is coming to theaters next year. I think it's next December. We're going to get that animated, or actually, I think it's I think it's technically an anime. Um, Lord of the Rings: War of the Rohirrim, I think, is what it's called, um, and that's coming to theaters. Yeah, like next next December, December, 2024. So, um, yeah, maybe that'll be, uh, you know, scratch the itch that for, for folks who wanted a legend of Zelda animated movie, maybe that, that film will sort of, um, help replace that a little bit. Uh, I wanted to mention very briefly, the Kevin Feige star Wars movie is not happening. Somebody asked him directly, Hey, what's the status on this? Is this still happening? And he just said the word no in response. So I thought that was very funny. Uh, very typical Kevin Feige in terms of like not providing any other context or details. Uh, he but, has bigger fish to fry. He, he, he has, he, he's in mind his own house before he becomes a house guest somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Like we were talking about earlier. And I, I, I think this is a good, 
uh, thing that this movie is not happening for exactly the reasons that we were talking about earlier. That hopefully this means that he will be able to, like you said, circle the wagons and, and sort of provide some quality control uh, back at Marvel Studios. So um, you can read more about that at the link in the show notes. Um, the final story that I wanted to mention, Jacob, is a really, really depressing one. And that is uh, John Cena's cow- uh, I'm sorry, uh, Coyote versus Acme movie is now not happening because David Zaslav and the folks at Warner Brothers have completely screwed the pooch once again and just decided to take like a $30 million write-off on this movie and pulled a, a Batgirl on it and a Scoot it's finished. on it. It's completely finished. <sighs> yeah, and now no one will ever see it because that's part of the the way that they're able to get their tax money, as we talked about with Batgirl. Like the, there's no chance for like a, a you know, this to be leaked or like a sneak version of this to, to ever be like officially released because the studio, you know, that, that's part of the agreement that they enter into when they, they get their tax write off or whatever. Um, and it's just, I mean, you used the word anti art earlier and like, that's, that's the phrase that keeps bouncing around in my head when I hear this. Um, what was your reaction to, to hearing this news? Uh, absolute scumbags. Uh, absolute scumbags. Once again, the, the, the folks I interact with on a regular basis at Warner brothers who are, who are just at the company keeping their heads down, doing their jobs. I'm so sorry this is your boss. This is a true nightmare of somebody. Like, just Im- imagine, just, uh, God, people get mad at me for saying this, um, uh, but. <laughs> I can hear the, the gears turning in your head of like, is it worth for me to go down this path or not? <laughs> um, being an employee at Warner Brothers under Zaslov is probably comparable to being an American when Donald Trump was president. Just <laughs> okay. constant embarrassment over what your leadership is doing. Constant humiliation over how it undermines everything you believe in. <laughs> I just... think it's fair, Jacob. I don't think that that's too uh, too out there. Um, yeah, man. I mean, and, and you know, the whole thing is like exacerbated even more when like you see, uh, I'm sure you've seen on circulating on, on Twitter, those videos of like uh, from the crew, you know, there's like, and the same thing happened with, um, with Batgirl as well, where like, essentially like a, a crew cut, not of the movie, but of like b- the behind the scenes of all the work that went into making the movie, just like a little montage. And then I, I said all the work, it's not even all the work. It's a very, very small sliver of the work um, that these, you know, craft people actually did and like spent hours of time working on and missed birthdays and weekends and events with their families and all this kind of stuff to, um, you know, put their blood, sweat and tears into this because they love making art. And now no one will ever see the, the fruits of their labor. It's just really, really, um, galling, I guess is the word. Do you know how workers in an in industry like this, where you're, you're gig to gig, get more work, they get more work by people seeing their finished work. They say, yeah. Hey, I saw that movie. You were, you were an art director on that. Wow. Let's bring you in. Who's, who's, who's your team? Let's hire them too. Oh, you were a gaffer on, on that one. Oh yeah. We, we I, I, let's bring you on the team. This is a literally people see these craftsmen's work or, or see their resumes and say, yeah, I saw that movie. That was a good movie. Let's hire him. Oh, that movie's production design was outstanding. Get get that person. Like this is a business where your finished work gets you your next job. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with video games. This is why when, when video games get canceled, deep production, which happens more often than people care to admit, it's also a tragedy. It is oh. And the fact that like so many so many people a couple, a couple more thoughts. A lot of filmmakers were jumping on social media last night. Uh, in addition to remember saying, I've seen this movie. My, like, I'm, I'm friendly with the filmmaker. I saw it early screening. It's really good. The test screenings have been scoring through the roof. This is not a case of it being a bad movie. This is a really good movie, and it's being dumped, which makes you think that if Warner Brothers has a really, really good Looney Tunes movie starring an actor like John Cena, who people like, where the premise is indelible, is a court case between Wile E. Coyote and the Acme Corporation, um, 
if Warner Brothers can't sell that movie, a movie that's literally built around the Looney Tunes, some of the most famous and beloved characters in the past 150 years, Ben? <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I I don't know how you don't turn this movie into even a minor hit that makes you more than thirty million dollars. Yeah, and it's it's really um, distressing. And also, we should mention uh, we've written about this movie in the past, and I think we probably talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but we have not really talked about it a bunch. But James Gunn co-wrote this movie, and James Gunn is now the head of the uh, or the co-head of DC. He also at, produced it. At, He's a producer on this one. Yeah. So, like the fact that this could happen to this project you know, really makes it seem like David Zaslav and, and the folks at the top just like do not care at all. Like th- there's nothing that no project is safe almost. No you know? loyalty. Like, like, yeah. Like I, I, I feel like if I was the head of DC studio, so I was, if I was James Gunn, I would say, man, a lot of rough stuff's happening. Um, but at least to put myself in a position where at least maybe there'll be a conversation for something with my name on it has, it has extreme action taken to it. And, I I can't imagine that David Zaslav went to James Gunn and said, yeah, a movie that you worked on um, and clearly put your, like, some real elbow grease in, we're going to kill it. I, I, yeah, I, I saw that um, the Hollywood Reporter said that Warner Brothers at least had the presence of mind to inform director Dave Green of this decision ahead of time, which was not the case with uh, Batgirl and, and Scoob 2 earlier. That was, that was, like, just over a year ago that this happened. And Zaslav took so much heat, rightfully so, for that decision. And then just for him to sort of like, I mean, not even lay low, Jacob, because he was also, you know, one of the main villains of the writers and and actor strike, uh, particularly the writers. Um, But he was just constantly like, you know, putting his foot in his mouth in terms of making stupid statements and and, um, being generally antagonistic against the creatives who help fund the the work that makes him millions of dollars. Um, And so... Yeah, it's just it's it's really uh, this entire thing is just um, very distressing to me. I you know I I, I remember when Zaslav first got this job and was making some questionable decisions, and I feel like on this podcast I kind of had this attitude of like, all right, I don't want to just be another one of those jackasses on the internet who just like spouts off and says like this guy's an idiot after you know like uh, he, the guy's been in the the office chair for like less than a month or whatever, less than six months. Uh, and like, I don't I'm not going to pretend Jacob that I know the ins and outs of every single decision that a studio had has to make. And like, yes, he has to, to answer to his shareholders, but there are a lot of things that like normal people, even people in entertainment press don't know about that, that CEOs of major entertainment companies and studios have to do. And I just felt like at the time there was a lot of, you know, the peanut gallery, basically just mouthing off and being like, oh, this guy's a moron, whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of remember sitting on the sidelines a little bit from that and just being like, eh, I mean, how much do you person, random person on Twitter really know about what is going on in the halls of Warner Brothers? Like, yes, these decisions seem um, ill-fated or, or like questionable to us from the outside, but there's a lot of context that we don't have here. I'm done giving David Zaslav any benefit of the doubt at this point. Like he has made it exceedingly clear that he truly is a, you know, a cartoonish villain in this industry. And I regret uh, not jumping on that bandwagon sooner. So I just want to make that clear. I also say that one of our slash home writers who's, I I like him a lot because he's on the show regularly. I don't want to name him just in case, but he's always been a conversation being like, I don't want to like 
go out there and character assassinate Zaslav. I want to be careful in my writing and be, and be responsible. And even he last night was like, I regret not just re- calling a dick a dick a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, RIP Coyote versus Acme. Um, you did not deserve this. And I'm sorry to everyone who, if you're listening to this and you worked on the movie, I, I'm, my heart breaks for you because this is just an awful situation. And I guess to wrap things up, Jacob, like, do you think that, do you think we're ever going to know if there's going to be any, uh, fallout from this in the creative community? Like, uh, you know, a lot of people can, can, um, talk angrily as we're doing right now, or, uh, call Zaslav an idiot on Twitter or whatever. Um, but do you think that like we're ever going to find out if filmmakers purposefully do not go into business with Warner Brothers because of the um, culture that he's cultivating there? I don't think people will say it publicly. Yeah, I mean we, we've we've seen some filmmakers on social media talk about how this will impact talent relations for sure. No one's actively said I won't work with Warner Brothers, but I guarantee everybody's thinking it. I I, I don't yeah. understand how you could in good conscience have a relationship with, with the studio right now. And there's so many, like I said, so many talented producers and executives who have taste and want to make movies that are going to be high and dry right now. Cause it's like, you know, nobody wants to work with them. I mean, just a few days ago, Christopher Nolan had, a, had an interview where he talked about how he felt that Warner brothers is the theatrical first release format that they're, that they're really pivoting toward away from streaming was something that could get him back in their good graces. Um, and then like literally day and a half later, this happens. So I'm like going, yeah. well, Christopher Nolan, could have been tempted back, but it's it's impossible to imagine him ever coming back when Zaslav is there now. So it's just one of those. I don't know. I, I think we're looking at one of the darkest periods in Hollywood history, and I, I, I that sounds like an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. Yeah, uh, what a way to end this episode, Jacob. At least we started on the the high note of the SAG strike being over. So um, maybe things will uh, will improve, but um, I su- I'm I'm suspecting that things might get a little bit darker before they do. So hey, uh, Warner Brothers, start making forty million dollar movies that can be profitable at eighty million. Make sure they're good, sell them well. And you're not going to like break the stock price, but you shouldn't have to. Movies shouldn't be about stock price. It should be about making movies profitably in your industry. Yeah. That's my advice. I'm not an expert, (laughs) but you know, maybe try it. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for today's show. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.